In this episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Sarah Rife Hecking again. Dr. Sarah is a speaker, coach, and clinical psychologist with over 20 years experience helping people create and achieve their goals. She's developed unique systems to help her clients get a grip on their time and step up to the next level in their life or business. She's also a friend and a horse lover, and she's part of my training programs for horse professionals. In this episode, we'll discuss the common challenges that instructors and trainers have around time and how to help them. What she shares will actually help everyone, even if you aren't a horse professional. So here we go. Episode 73, Time for Your Horses and Life with Dr. Sarah Reif Hecking. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Sarah. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Karen. You know, I love talking with you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I always look for excuses to bring you on and, and have these conversations. I mean, we talk all the time. <laughs> yes. But I love to share you with my community because I feel like you're already such a big part of my community. So thank you. Well, I love, love, love supporting your peeps because, you know, I love all the work that you do. And, um, you know, I can't imagine a better way to get this good work out in the world and to help all the people that want to do more amazing horse work figure out how to get it done. Absolutely. Yeah. And so Jan, I always especially think of you around January. I mean, I know it's all arbitrary and we all make up these little deadlines, but it is the new year. <laughs> and, and I know my brain just naturally starts to think about what worked, what didn't work last year? What do I want to improve this coming year? And so, you know, this is always when I think about bringing, bringing you on here because, you know, we talk so much about what we want to do and our time with our horses and what we want to accomplish with our horses. But if we aren't able to actually make the time to do this stuff, then, you know, then we're kind of handicapped right from the get-go. So it's my, my goal and my dream is to have everybody have as much time as they want to do the things that they love to do the most. And that's why you're here. Yay. And, that's <laughs> and speaking of spending time doing what you want, how are your riding lessons going? They are going really well. Thank you so much for asking. I, um, you know, it's so amazing. And anybody who's um, involved with horses and riding knows how much effort it goes into just staying in shape for riding and being in shape for riding. Um, so it's been, it's been really fun to look, uh, back over, because I just started again after a 20 year hiatus people. So, you know, a little bit of muscles I haven't used in a while. Um, so, uh, it's really fun to, to be like, okay, it's been more than a year and, you know, I'm starting to feel like, wow, I remember like things are working the way I would like them to work. You know, I don't have to think mm -hmm. so hard. Um, and, and also the other things outside of riding that need to be in place so that I can be the best rider I want to be as well. So, 
Um, it's been good to just sort of notice some of those things. Some of them I do sort of naturally taking care of myself, but there's, you know, I've, I've gotten my butt to the gym to do some more strength training and, you know, balance training and all of that kind of stuff. Cause it all comes together. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so fun because, you know, I knew Sarah and then Sarah worked, uh, you came in and, and were part of the training for the, um, horse professionals that I, I mentor in my mastermind and mentorship program. And then through that, you connected with one of the, my masterminders who, um, happened to be in, you know, moved to your area. So it's just really fun because now, you know, you're taking lessons with her and I know her and it's just really, really fun when all that synergy comes together and amazing women helping other amazing women. Yes, I love it too. The connection and the community is just so important. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, what are we going to talk about? So, you know, you have, we've done a podcast before. So anybody who wants to hear more from Dr. Sarah, you can look up episode number 58, which we talked about how to spend, how to have more time to spend with your horses. So it's always a similar theme. And uh, Sarah also has some videos in my video classroom. So I'll put the links to those uh, in the show notes uh, that you can find on my website. Um, and so we're here again. So I thought for this, for this episode, I wanted to really talk to the horse professionals out there. You know, these are the people who have dedicated their lives to horses. I mean, we all kind of dedicate to horses in a way, but they're dedicated not only to horses, but to helping everybody else with their horses. And so many of the professionals that are here listening on this podcast are more heart centered. And that's, you know, this podcast is called Horse Training and Harmony. So it naturally attracts very heart centered professionals. And this is such an important piece in creating a happier world for horses. And, you know, in the, the programs that I have to help mentor professionals in the sort of businessy side of the horse world, I find that sometimes the heart centered ones are the most humble ones and the most giving ones, which is great for the horse world, except that they are also much more prone to burnout and to overgiving and to not setting up great boundaries around their time. And then it's a shame because the horse world needs them the most. And they're the ones who are kind of struggling the most. So, uh, so I think what we, I know what we talk about today is going to help everybody no matter what you're doing. But I wanted to give a special call out to all you amazing professionals out there who, who want to give. So how do we help you give and share your gift, but still thrive at the yes. same time? That's, that sound like a fun topic. <laughs> so important and so near and dear to my heart because, you know, I, Karen, one of the things you and I share is that we've both been burned out professionals in our fields, right? So, yes. um, so, uh, I love saving people from having to go there. And I love having the conversation that allows people to understand how to fuel themselves so that they can be very present and give with their full heart and soul during their work time and also have the time to take care of themselves and do the things that fuel them as well outside of work. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, I mean, from my own personal experience, I gave and I gave and I gave and I gave and it felt too hard to change. And some of the stuff I want to talk about today, it's like I knew what I needed to do, but I didn't do it. 
and I kept giving and I kept giving. And then I, I waited until I was like ready to quit. And then it's like, okay, now I'm going to do something. And I don't want anybody else to go through that because that was miserable. So my, my goal is that if there's anybody who has this little feeling of like, oh yeah, I know I should do that. Like, let's do it. Let's help you do it now. Don't wait until it's, you know, an emotional crisis. <laughs> and some of you might be in an emotional crisis now. So now is the time, but. Yeah. And I think um, also, Karen, I'm cognizant that we're talking in January and there's a lot of New Year's momentum and a lot of resolution thinking. Um, and, and the reason why I say resolution thinking is because sometimes we sort of have this surge in the first couple of weeks of January, if I'm going to make big changes and I'm going to do it all now. And then we ask too much of ourselves that we don't really think it through. And then it feels mm -hmm. like we tried it and it didn't work and we can't sustain it. So I want to make sure that anybody who's thinking about making big changes knows that sometimes it does take some time and you're not doing anything wrong. It takes some time and you want to very persistently and consistently lean into the small but powerful changes that are going to really bring back time for yourself and allow you to, to do what you need to, to take care of yourself. Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, when you're at a breaking point, then it has to be this big epic breakthrough, but that's not the advisable way to do it. So the the best way to do it, I think, is to, like what you said, like find the small but powerful changes and to do it now when you're in, you know, before you get, get to the breaking point. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, hopefully we can, we can kind of look at some different areas and come up with some really concrete, small steps people can start to take that'll actually make huge differences. Because I know, Sarah, with, I've known you, what, like eight years now, oh something God. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever I need help in this department and I come to you, it's usually something really simple, like really simple. And like, really? And, and then when I do it, it just starts, it, it's amazing how something small can actually have such a big impact. So I love that you said that. Um, I, maybe I'll, I mean, you, you've worked with my community, so you've worked with the professionals, you know, when I do my two day seminar, you teach a section there. When I do my six month mastermind and mentorship program, you, you have a whole program that they do at the beginning of my program. So you have had a lot of interaction with horse professionals and the precise struggles that they have. I kind of came up with three main challenges I've seen. So maybe I'll save those and then you can share yours and I'll bet you there's some overlap. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'll just tell you mine and then I'm going to let you run with it and decide what you want to um, play with. But the biggest, the three biggest challenges I've seen are um, around time are people being afraid to say no. And from a business perspective, they're afraid to say no to things or clients or students or things on the schedule because they're afraid they're going to be losing business mm -hmm. instead of realizing that being at your best will always be best for business. And sometimes you need to say no in order to be your best. So kind of in that category, another uh, very important piece is that professionals often end up putting their own horses last. 
So they fill up their schedule with everybody else's needs and then they don't get to their own horses. And, you know, instead of seeing their own horses as continuing education and the source of their passion and their energy and information. And then the third thing, the third area that I see a lot of horse professionals struggling with is doing everything themselves instead of investing some time to train so you can break that cycle. And, you know, we horse chicks are independent women. We can do it all. And men. Yeah. You know? uh, so those are those are kind of the three big, big rocks in the river. Uh, what, you know, do those those resonate with your top three or do you have other ones or? Yeah, I think um, those those are absolutely the top three that um, I see when I'm working with um, horse professionals and also, you know, any kind of professional out there, like this is this is really a common thread for entrepreneurs and professionals that are dedicated to what they do, right? Um, and then I think the other thing that that is maybe a little permutation of some of these things is this notion that you really can't have what you want, that you can't, you know, really put your all into training your own horse and also give your all to your um your clients' horses, or how, however you work um, in the industry, um, and I think that um, sometimes we've we've sort of decided it has to be a particular way. That the only way to succeed is to, you know, do it this way that you've seen other people succeed. And P.S. They're burnt out, right? So sometimes we don't have examples of people that um, really excel in their industry without being completely burnt out. Um, and we sort of decide that, well, that's the only way it can happen. So I think it's really important to ask yourself, how can I do this in a way that allows me to thrive? And that allows you to solve a completely different question than um, how do I do this, right? Mm. It's a very different question. Yeah, and I'm, I'm writing that one down. And anybody who's listening to this while you're near a pen or a paper or a keyboard I would write that down. How can I do this in a way that I can thrive? And that, that would be something to take a minute to ponder. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so often um, we're trying to solve a problem that we're having in the moment and, and we need to go to that 10,000 foot view and really look at the overview of if I want this time to train my own horse or this time to go to the gym for me or get a massage for me or whatever, you know, fill in the blank, whatever fuels you. Um, we get very stuck in how we think that's supposed to happen because we feel like we, I can't get it in this week. It's just not going to happen this week. And then we forget to say, okay, Let's go way up to the top of the mountain and look down on ourselves as though we're, you know, tiny little, little ants on the ground. What do we see from this perspective that is really true if we moved around the ants and we moved around the marbles or whatever that would make this possible? And we, for, cause we get too close in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's so important to, um, write things down. I find if I write things down, I think a little differently than if I just keep it in my head. And then even better yet, just sit down with a person. And, you know, it's so funny. Sometimes I'll sit down with my my husband, Dana, and I'll be like, can you help me with this? And then I just ask the questions and he just sits there. And pretty soon after asking the questions out loud to him, 
I actually come up with the answer and I'm like, thank you so much. He's like, I just sat there. But to, to, you know, zoom back and just ask, write it down, ask yourself, but it does help to have somebody else who can maybe help you look at things. Yeah. I think we can't, we can't see what we're doing and everybody else can see what we're doing. Exactly. And I also want to say you want to be careful when you're starting to think out of the box, um, that you are having that conversation with somebody who can think creatively with you and isn't just going to be a naysayer and shut you down. Um, Mm, So that's, that's really important. And I think that that's, um, I actually think that's why coaching is all the rage these days, because it it actually takes um, a certain sort of person. And and many of us do have that kind of person in our lives. But I know that there's certainly been times when I really needed to reach out and find somebody outside of my business life, outside of my personal life that could really, you know, had no skin in the game, but could help me think about things from multiple angles and, um, you know, wasn't going to say, well, that sounds crazy. Right. Um, yes, exactly. Somebody and somebody who's not going to be affected by the change. Yes. Right. Because people don't want to change. And so it's a lot of times if you're saying it to someone, what they're thinking is, how's that going to affect me? And I don't want it to change. Right. So we when uh, in, in my community. And this is why the mastermind so powerful, because we have people that can relate and are there to support. But we call, you know, watch out for the idea killers. Right. The uh-huh. people are like, that'll never work. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to find the right people to talk to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Super, (laughs) super important. And, um, and let me just say there's somebody out there saying that there's nobody that can support them. And um, you just not, you might not find somebody close in. I know I had to go pretty far afield. And it's not that, that my friends and family don't support me. It's that I was really starting to think about things in a very different way that I knew that other people just weren't going to be able to go with, right? Just because they weren't educated in that way of thinking. Um, Now they're all on board, right? Um, But give yourself the space to look outside of your direct community if you need it. I love that. Yeah. And, and maybe somebody outside the industry. Yeah. Some, like we said, somebody doesn't have, does not have skin in the game, you know, that can really be ob- objective. Yeah. There's actually some good, uh, you know, info- I think this is one of the reasons why uh, I love helping horse professionals so much is because even like, I understand the horse industry, you know, I was, I was a kid who worked at a horseback riding camp. I, you know, I've, I've been to barns for years and years and years. Um, so, and you know, I have very good friends that are in the horse industry. Um, but one of the things we actually know is that in terms of helping solve problems, it actually helps to have somebody that's not directly in your business, that's in mm-hmm. a, maybe even a completely different field, because they're going to be able to um, just see things from a different perspective. And we all get stuck in our frame of how how things, how the industry is or how the profession how is, done. yeah, how it's done. Um, and sometimes, you know, the reason why it's done that way is, is, doesn't, is just cause we're in that habit and it's not really a helpful way to do stuff. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. So should we talk about being afraid to say no? Cause I feel like, I feel oh, yeah. like we have to go there. <laughs> I think we do because that it is, it's a big one. And like I said, I, the, the people that I am around in my community tends to be heart centered. We love and we care for our horses. And, you know, 
maybe people not quite as much as horses, but I think it, it we, t- well, maybe I'm speaking for myself. No, we tend to be, you know, very giving and, and we want to help people, you know, the, the trainers and instructors want to help and it's hard to say no. So how yeah. do we, how do we say no, Sarah? Yeah. So I think there's this, the, the first thing is like, ask yourself, why, why can't you say no? Right. What, cause I think it's important for us to understand that saying yes to something means you're saying no to something else. Right. So, and I'm going to say that again, cause it feels like very obvious and also very complicated all at the same time. So when you say yes to something, that extra client or the extra 15 minutes with that client, which makes you late for the next client, or I'm going to travel longer than I know I probably should travel and not get paid the right amount for that travel, whatever it is, you fill in your own blank when you're saying yes to that thing that you think you, you can't say no to. When you're saying yes to that, you're saying no to something else that might actually be more important, more meaningful, more helpful, more giving, right? So when, and I work with people on this so often, we often have this knee-jerk response, yeah, I can do that, sure, right? And I used to be one of those people too. And now I'm more likely to say, let me think about it and I'll get back to you right? Or let me check and see where that will work in with what I know is coming up for me, right? So you give yourself a pause somewhere Um, because lots of times it is a habit and we say yes before we even know we've said yes. And then we look at all the things we're supposed to be doing and guess what? Our own personal health care, our own personal horse care, our own family, our own animals go out the window, right? Um, So then there's this other piece that I think gets to be competitive um, as as professionals that if I don't say yes, then I'm going to lose business. If I don't say yes to absolutely everything that's going to pay me any number of dollars, right? Even if it's a small number, then I'm going to lose business and people aren't going to come to me. Um, And I deal with this issue in in many different industries. So it's not just endemic in the the horse industry, but I think that particularly in service industries, um, we feel like, but if I don't say yes to that client, they're going to go somewhere else and then I'm not going to have enough ongoing income, right? So Solving that problem can be really helpful too. So what happens if you say no to somebody? Under what circumstance would you say no to somebody? Because there certainly are clients that are not ideal clients for you that might be ideal clients to somebody else, right? So what if you took all of your ideal clients and you had three or four friends that took all of their ideal clients that were a little bit different than yours, everybody got full up with exactly who they wanted and you weren't you know, you were able to say no to those things that weren't really on, on target for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's so important because there's so, you really hit on this cycle that can start to snowball 
of, you know, you, you want to say no for whatever reason you don't. So you take it on and then there's this mismatching and then you're getting run down and then you're not as inspired. And then, you know, yeah. So that definitely is a big part of, of a lot of the issues that I see with, with the professionals. And there's so many facets to this. There's the, um, really knowing exactly who your ideal client is, your ideal student or your ideal type of horse that you train, whatever it is, and being more confident in that and knowing the magic of getting that match really, really good. And then, you know, then when you say you can't or no, you know, you're actually in the best service to this person because they're not as good a match with you. And and you could match them with somebody else. So there's this, if it's not a no, and you give yourself a little time to think, then you might actually be able to guide them to something that's better for them. And you're still the hero, you know? Yeah. But the the big key is the first thing you said, it was just to, to give yourself that moment. And for me, I had trouble when I was face to face with someone, if they asked me, I would always tend to go, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. And then afterwards they're like, darn, why did I do that? And having, I had to have a sentence and that sentence of like, let me get back to you on that. Let me think about it a second was life changing. Yes. And, and then I would give it thought and it would just take me longer to figure out if I wanted to do it or not. Cause I wasn't used to thinking about it. I was used to just saying, okay. And that, you know, then you can sit yourself down and go, do I want to, do I not? Why not think about it? And then you can get back to them. And it, it's very respectful, I think, to tell someone you're actually going to give it some thought mm-hmm. yeah. and to just knee jerk and have to say yes. And then have to cancel later or something like that. Like it just, it feels, it ends up feeling better. And once you get in the habit of it, I find, you know, I feel more confident and, and I feel better when I can say you know, notice something and I know exactly why. So I guess there's hope guys, <laughs> it gets better. Yeah. We just need, you know, that's that little, that little sentence of let me get back to you on this is one of those little tiny, powerful, little tiny, but very powerful things that you can implement right away. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also another one, let me think about how I can best serve you. And sometimes that means I can best serve you by actually referring you to somebody else or by offering you this, like I was talking to a horse professional recently who, you know, she has a lot of students that, that don't want to take weekly lessons. They want to come in like once a month and she knows it's not serving them. Right. So we talked about how do you make that, that have that conversation with them? No, I actually don't do that because in my coaching, I don't do one-off coaching sessions with people. You work with me for a period of time because I know the one-off session might be powerful in the moment, but I'm after the long lasting transformation for you. And I've been doing it long enough that I know that the one and done, I can, I can make some, I can help you make some big changes, but if you want to sustain them, it's going to take a little bit longer. And I'm, I'm okay to say no to the person that just wants to talk to me once. Cause I know I want to stick with those people that actually want to keep coming back and make the sustained changes. That's what works best for me too. And I know it works best for the client. So um, that's the conversation I had with this horse professional about, all right. So if you know it's best, then you just need to say it's in your best interest. No, I don't do lessons once a month because it's in your best interest to ride with me at least weekly. Yeah. 
that's that's huge and this happens all the time you know if you someone will have a program for starting young horses and it's a it's at least a 90-day program and someone comes in and goes can you just take them for a month you know I go okay and then it doesn't work because you know it's not going to work so there's a the confidence in your own program and a confidence that that you in your own expertise instead of focusing on, oh my God, I'm going to lose this, this business, thinking more of, of, of what you actually do offer and all the training and knowledge that's gone into that and that you do know what you're talking about. So to say, no, I'm not going to start your horse in two weeks, <laughs> you know, and really owning that, like, because I'm a, I'm an experienced professional and I know that that's not the best thing for your horse or you or safe or, any one of these things. And, but I see this a lot as we, we end up compromising what we know is best because of um, a student's idea and we don't want to say no to them. But instead of thinking of the no, thinking of what's the alternative that's even better and educate. It's, it's often a time to educate, just like you said, like that's, you're not going to reach your goals that way but I'd like you to reach your goals. So here's an alternative. Exactly. And, and when you frame it that way, people are more likely to say yes. And if they do say no, then I can tell you they were going to be a pain in the ass student anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> not always, but you know what I'm saying? It, it, it will be that person that you feel like, Oh, I'm not do- like, I'm not reaching my potential. And they're not reaching their potential. And, and they're not going to, they're just not. So, um, just keep remembering whatever you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And we always forget that opportunity cost in the moment, particularly if you're a people pleaser, particularly if you lead with your heart, um, all of that, or you're just a high energy person and you can handle a lot, right? So just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should do it, mm-hmm. right? So I often, I often will say to my clients, you could say yes to that. And what would be the impact? Is it the impact that you want? And that kind of connects to the second thing that I brought up was putting their own horses last. So when you say yes to this, you might be saying no to your own horses, which are probably the source of your most fun and inspiration and passionate energy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And is, you know, this is hard, I think, for, for horse professionals, lots of professionals about how do you get that passion time in for yourself? And what do we tell ourselves about why that's important or not important? Um, and, and what I know is this is what I, is like the paradox of time management, right? Where we all sort of feel like, um, we, we all sort of feel like, well, if I put time in this bucket, then I'm not going to have enough time for this other bucket. And to some extent, it's true. And I also know sometimes when you put time in this bucket, the riding your own horse, fueling your own passion, fueling your own soul bucket, you have more energy to do the other stuff more effectively and efficiently. So it is this, uh, I call it like a click of a kaleidoscope because you see things one way and you think, oh my God, there's not enough hours in the day. And then you go, well, I am going to commit to that hour with my horse in the day and then see what the impact ends up being and see how you have to reorder things, maybe just a little bit to make it work. 
Definitely. I, I know I can't, I'm much more productive when I spend all morning with my horses. I know. I know. I love that. If about I don't, you. I'm a cranky, I'm a cranky girl. If I don't get my horse time, in. Yeah. So I get my horse time in and then, then I'm good to go for the rest of the day. Yeah. So for all of you guys yeah. that are wondering how, how this woman is such like a, a, a fount of, um, of content generation, it's because she fuels herself up. She takes care of herself and then she's able to put out. But if you don't fill up the well, there's nothing overflowing to share with other people. Right. It makes it much harder. Um, and I think the other thing here, you know, I think we have to talk a little bit about how you're setting up your week when you want to add something in that you've not been able to get in, um, you know, i.e. your own horse time. So um, when I work more closely with people and we talk about people and the, the trainings that I do in Karen's community about let's let's take a look at that plan, that flexible plan for your week. And get really clear about when you're going to work, when you're not going to work. And I know that sentence just like broke everybody's brain. Okay. So <laughs> that's a hard one for the horse people. <laughs> I had a hardest time with that one. When you for, I showed me that piece of paper, I'm like, but it's all fun and it's all work, but what? <laughs> right. But when are you going to work in your business? When are you going to not work in your business? Right. And the thing I know about you, Karen, is that your sacred horse time in the mornings is time for you and your horses. And yeah, business stuff comes out of it. Right. But you don't go in saying, I'm going to do this for the business. You go in and saying, I'm going to do this because I love this. I love this process. I love this horse. I can't wait to see what I can do next. This feels so good. This is so cool. Look at what we're doing together. Right. And that fuels you in a, in a totally different way. So in order to carve out time to put in that passion project for yourself, that time with your horse, then you have to have boundaries on when you're doing your business. And you have to get good at practicing those boundaries, just like you're good at practicing boundaries, you know, when you're leading a horse or you're training a horse or, you know, I mean, we've seen video recently of Karen's little baby horse, Cora, you know, who like runs around and wants to nibble people and whatever you set a boundary there. Right. And, and you don't have a question about whether you're going to set a boundary. You just say, no, we don't nibble here. Right. There's not a debate about Absolutely. it. Right. So you have to create those own, those boundaries in your own life. I'm working. I'm not working when I'm not working. What do I, then what do I want to be doing and start to carve out that non-negotiable time and start with the minimum amount of time and create that wedge. Because what most of us do is we say, oh, I really want 40 hours a week with my horse and, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm being, I'm exaggerating, but give yourself the minimum amount of time. If you spent three hours a week with your one horse, how would that feel if you're doing none now? right? Start with that, start with that wedge, and then continue to build it. But start with mm -hmm. something. So you get the momentum going, you get the refueling of yourself going by doing that activity. Hey, Karen Rolf here. And I want to talk to the heart centered horse professionals out there. The horse world needs you and I'd like to help you thrive. 
The Transform Your Business Action and Support Group is an amazing opportunity to be in a supportive community of people who really get the horse business and really want to help you succeed. And most of all, we all prioritize the well-being of horses and want to break free of business models that use horses as commodities and value exhaustion over self-care. You really can have a successful business and still run your life on your terms. This program combines the best features of other programs I've done at the most affordable price ever, with the main goal being that it'll pay you back many times over. Now, chances are you already know some changes that you want to make or that you need to make, but you keep hesitating. And I get it. It's scary to make changes. Most of the people that I meet need help with this sort of thing. Now, as soon as you start the program, you'll get access to training on creating a new vision, attracting ideal clients, managing your time, how to add leveraged offerings, pricing, packaging, and so much more. Then we do a live call every month where you can discuss your particular challenges. And every quarter, we do a deeper dive on important topics, and that's with me or guest experts. Plus, there's private coaching options that simply aren't available outside this program. Now, you can stay as long or as short as you like. Check it out by enrolling with a monthly plan. And then if you love it, and I think you will, you can save by switching to a yearly plan at any time. And of course, if you really want to set yourself up for success, you can save the most by starting with a discounted yearly plan. You know, I've seen the changes that professionals like you can make with this program. You really can increase your income while delivering more value to your students and end up with more time off. You can own your unique genius and have the courage to stand in the power of what you offer and we'll help you do it. It's so much more than information. It's your new home base of support to dream big, get help, and thrive in this horse business in an amazing curated community. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash TYB as in transform your business. And I really hope to see you soon. Yeah. And this is this piece. Um, so this is the piece you teach at our at the two-day seminar I do, and it's in my six-month mastermind. The first month is going through Sarah's process with this. And what I find is it it does, it blows people's minds and it, it blew my mind because when you're when you love what you do, you know the saying, when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life because it's all fun. But this this can be the problem. Because we don't, we, it's all blurred into this fabulous life with horses and we're riding our horses and answering texts from students. And then, you know, it's all kind of blurring together. And just that concept of when am I working? When am I not? And then going, oh, wait, I need to be working. That's separate from this other piece. And then, oh, what am I supposed to be working on? And that's what we help people with. But it's amazing how that little concept in the horse industry can be so blurred because we love what we do and we're always kind of doing everything at once and our students are watching when we ride and then they're asking questions and then they're we're doing the schedule as we're you know and so it really helps just asking that question helps you define and again some very simple 
things can change. Like when people are coming up and asking a million questions when you're riding your horse, you just go, oh, you know, that's at one o'clock. You know, on by the t you know over here in the lounge, that's when I'll you know meet me there. I'll ask all the questions. Just setting up a tiny little boundary instead of saying no, I'm not going to answer that question. Go, oh, I'll answer that at one o'clock over there. <laughs> you know, or, or I'll answer you know, that whatever your in own your rules next are. lesson. I'll answer that in your next in lesson. your next lesson. Right? Or yeah, yeah. So there's sometimes very simple little things that you know. Oh, it's just a text here. It's just another text there. Oh, it's just another phone call there. And neither, none of them seem like big deals until you realize you're spending all day being interrupted. Yes. Yes. And then, yeah. And then you're not serving them well, because you're not able to answer the question really well. And you're not serving the horse that you're riding when you're supposed to be paying attention to them and you're getting interrupted. And I remember one of the, one of the people that was in the mastermind I helped with, I was like, you know, you can put your phone on do not disturb and still your emergency calls. Cause she had kids uh -huh. like, you can still allow those calls to come through. She's like, what? No, <laughs> I know. So if I think just face, you know, having that problem and going, okay, I'm not working. This is my personal horse time, but this work thing keeps coming in. And then that's a very specific problem. And then you can go, Hey, how can I solve this one itty bitty problem of, I keep getting texts when I'm riding my horse. Yeah. And like, okay, that is figure outable. Yes. Yes. Right? But it, it takes that stepping back to go, oh, there's the piece that keeps making me grumpy or keeps making this thing not happen and dial it down into like, what is exactly the piece? And sometimes often it's a tiny little piece. Right. And it's, and it's easy to, to resolve when you get it out of your own head, like we were saying before, because one of the things that happens when we say things in structured language, either spoken language or we write it out, we process it differently in our brain. And when you're talking to somebody else, you can then, you know, move the concepts in different ways more easily. Um, but, but sometimes other people, you know, have really quick solutions that, didn't ever dawn on us. And I've had that same conversation with multiple clients. I can do that. I can put my phone on do not disturb, but I can still let my kids get through if they're in a car accident. Yes, you can. Yeah, there's a way to do that. Um, so it's a good example, Karen, of how we all get into our ways of being, right? I call it being on the treadmill. You're just on the treadmill of your day and you don't even know that you could like to take two steps sideways and things would be so much easier because you always just go forward. You forget about the sideways steps or you don't even know the sideways steps exist, right? Mm -hmm. So um, super powerful. That's so funny. You just you just uh, described my basic alignment exercise <laughs> with horses for biomechanics. Like you just wiggle a little to the side, see how it feels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but the the I don't know. There's probably other industries that are like this, but I think the horse industry in general is very non-collaborative. Mm. It's a lot of individuals who see each other as competition. There's not a lot of healthy collaboration among among instructors in general, you know. So this is part of what I want to do is just to help bring up these conversations and and I, I but I think it does help to be able to know what you're trying to get help with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I, know, and a, I lo a lot of times when oh sorry, no, go ahead. A, a lot of times when uh when instructors get together, okay, here's uh, maybe I shouldn't divulge this, but often. In normal horse instructor circles, when instructors get together, they end up complaining a lot about their business and their clients. And that 
you know, I don't like to live a life that I want to complain about. I have a low tolerance for that. If I, if I'm complaining, I want to change it. And, you know, I think that's what I want to really help people with here is like, if you find a complaint, like dial it in, what is it? And then how do we solve it? And how do we be able to reach out to each other and, and help each other? Because when we're all happy in the horse business, the horses are happier. And that's my main motivation. Yeah. And I think a really, really important question to ask yourself there is, and I love the, you know, what am I complaining about and why? Right. And what's, why is that? Am I getting too many interruptions in my day? Am I teaching the, the wrong sorts of people or the wrong sorts of horses or, you know, I, I don't want to travel as much, whatever it is, right? What am I really complaining about? And then how could that change? Because, and that word could is very purposeful there. How could that change? Because then you can think about 10 different ways it could change. And maybe nine of them are impossible, but, but because you've done some of that thinking and talking with other people outside of your head with it, you're able to come up with that one that actually would work for you and that you're willing to test out. Um, and the other thing that I really, you know, we were talking about how do you get your personal horse time in, you know, first you want to talk about when's the best time, how are you going to create the space for that wedge, right? To get it in, at least to start it, get it started each week. When is it going to happen? Just like it was an appointment with somebody else, right? It's a, I, I can tell you, if you have a lesson scheduled, you're going to hold time for that lesson, right? So have a lesson with yourself scheduled and your horse and nobody interrupts that time. Um, and then you want to ask yourself what needs to change, how could things change so that I can keep that time in there? And then you need to do what you do best as a trainer is prepare, get yourself set up for doing that activity, and then practice it. Practice being with your own horse. Practice being with your own horse. Yeah? And keep seeing how that impacts your day and your energy and your life. Amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a beautiful place to leave people because that really is it, right? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you so much. You are welcome. I think I think we gave people a lot to think about. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Sarah, for spending your time on this podcast with us. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day, everybody. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.